Imagine Freedom is brought to you by the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center in Tallahassee, Florida. If you suspect trafficking or need help, call the National Human Trafficking Hotline 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at 1-888-373-7888 or visit humantraffickinghotline.org. This episode may contain content related to human trafficking and trauma that is sensitive to some ears. But we should not ever discount little children. I make it my business to listen to everybody, but especially to little children because they absolutely need a voice. I'm Robin Hassler-Thompson, the Executive Director of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. And it's my pleasure to host these important discussions with survivors of human trafficking. Their insights help all of us to fortify our communities against the often misunderstood realities of sex and labor trafficking. Please join us as we listen to what they have to say so that we can imagine freedom as a reality for all. Today, we're imagining freedom with Dr. Jacqueline Hairston, a public health consultant and human trafficking survivor with a PhD in public health education. She is a passionate and involved community advocate here in the Big Bend of Florida. During our conversation, you'll hear how she takes a wide-angle lens to how human trafficking happens, especially to children, both in our communities and within families. Dr. Hairston offers advice and support to those impacted by this issue, whether as a child or later as an adult. Her experiences as a child and her work with so many other survivors is eye-opening and riveting. So, if you're a parent or family member with youth in your life, or are a healthcare provider, work in the justice system, or are a caring person who wants to know more, I think you'll learn a lot about how you can help end human trafficking in your community. Here's our conversation. Hello, Dr. Jacqueline Hairston. It's good to see you. Hi, Robin. It's good to see you again, too. Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you. I'm so happy to see you. And it's been a while. It's been... uh, We still were together, I think, a little during the pandemic, Right? Yes. On, mm-hmm. Online, on yeah. a webinar. You yeah. were so gracious and were part of a program we did. Right. Um, and we've known each other for a few years, but, you know, it's been wonderful to just see all the places you have gone and what you're doing. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life now, who you are, and let let everybody know a little bit more about about Dr. Hairston? Well, there's a lot that's been going on. I believe you and I met in like 2019, and I learned some things from you that I really didn't know, and we'll talk about that later. But um, I've gone on to help the community with COVID. I was working at the health department. Um, Things got out of hand. People couldn't get what they needed. So I worked in that field of switching from research in public health to actually being uh, boots on the ground to try to help people get their lives back. Fast forward, um, I kept, I worked for a little while longer, back to getting what they call blue skies. Um, so I've worked in um, public health uh, as far as government. Now I have transitioned to um, private. So I'm a community health uh, initiative 
advocate for a nonprofit. I also work for a nonprofit on energy and solar, uh, working on my own nonprofit and anti-human trafficking. And I've recently began to work with my partner on prison reentry. So I've been really busy. It keeps me really um, in the midst of things. But at the most part, I've been able to help my community. And now I'm trying to make sure we can transition I can't say post-COVID, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that we can transition um, to a level of where we really are uh, thriving in our communities. Mm-hmm. Especially I work with the um, the, the uh, community here in Tallahassee, 32304. We kind of focus on that community because we they need a, a little more help maybe than some of the other communities. So Yes, yes. Well, that's wonderful. So you've done so much work in the community. Mm-hmm. How about your PhD? Tell me about what your what your PhD is in and okay. just a little bit about your your educational background because it's very very cool to me. Thank you. Um, my PhD is in public health. And, you know, you have to break that down. So my research was in violence and injury. And my dissertation is based on intimate partner violence or what we call IPV. That puts me in a unique, a unique position to be able to be all things expert in uh, violence um, anything having to do with healthcare or public health, because I have a master's in healthcare administration, and I, I specifically did that so I could sit at the table, I could listen to both sides, um, from the spectrum of who's which one is more feasible, who's going to help, and what's going to harm our people, and that's everyone. I don't have just a particular um, population. That's everyone when it comes to health care and injury and um, health initiatives. At this point, I've delved into, oh my goodness, it's about uh, health equity. That's my mm-hmm. key. Yeah. So okay, great. Equity. And great. a lot of people say, well, it's a black, white, purple thing. No, no, no. It is a people thing and mm-hmm. we all need to be mindful of that. So that's a little bit why my um, research has been very unique. That background that you have, to me, is also very important to understanding what we can do in cases of both sex and labor trafficking, right? Because, you know, trafficking doesn't happen at all in a vacuum. We know that there are factors in our community that make people more vulnerable uh, to both sex and labor trafficking. And I'll tell you, at the beginning of the pandemic, when our agency, the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center, started getting calls. Uh-huh. Some of the very first calls were from domestic violence victims who okay. said their survi- their um, abusers had started saying, you now have to have sex for money. You have to go out. It was a form of the domestic violence, the IPV, as you said, right. to put trafficking into the mix of a form of abuse. Oh, wow. And so... You know, that happened so right away at the the top of the pandemic. And you think about that and you think that means that we've got to be coordinating with all of the other service providers and we've got to be thinking about what somebody's needs are and who can best meet them. Yes. And and that way, too, I think, you know, your knowledge can help ground us to know what 
we can do, right? right? And what's what's out there, what we need to do on this issue of human trafficking. Right. It's interesting. I was on the government side of it. So somehow my hands were like tied. There was things I couldn't say. But I want you to know and the audience to know that I often wondered what you just shared with me mm-hmm. about getting those calls. I couldn't get those calls. I wasn't going to get those calls. The calls were about COVID. Mm-hmm. But I often, being the expert that I am, wondered you know, what is happening in the field. And I'm telling you that I believe that as we begin, especially myself, as I get the time to go back and research it, we're going to find some alarming uh, things that happened if we can get those, you know, survivors, victims or whatever they mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. to to speak with us, protecting them, but to share whatever happened to them during COVID. That's going to be real interesting. You know, you're so right. And earlier you said, you know, we can't say COVID is over. Well, we know we can't say it because hundreds of people a day are still dying in the U.S. Like that's just the bottom line fact of it. Correct. But the other part of it is the ripple effects go on. And Correct. I think in some ways things like telehealth are there and not going away. And that's probably a good thing in a lot of cases. Yes. So we've got the positive And then we also have the fallout and, right. and what's been going on. So thank you for um, – for continuing, you know, looking at it like that. And yes. your, I think your public health background is so important as we still move through. And who knows what's next, right? Absolutely. We don't know. Absolutely. We don't know what's going on. So, all right. So one of the things, and we've shared, and you've, you've talked about your life and times. One of the things that uh, we want to do on this program is okay. to talk about some of the myths and the misinformation that's out there about human trafficking. Um, One of the things that we've talked about is how a lot of people think that there's always um, just a stranger kidnapping. There's this snatch and grab. The person who is going to be exploiting you is someone you have no idea. It's a stranger danger. Now, we know that happens, but Mm -hmm. the vast majority of times... It's somebody who is known. Correct. The trafficker is somebody who becomes known to the the victim yes. or the person that they're targeting, and a trusted relationship is formed, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when you think about it, and I know personally about little children. Mm. Little mm-hmm. children won't have voices. They won't have the voice in that as we were as I was thinking about this coming along and you and I had a conversation before. Little children a lot of times get dismissed for what they're saying. And when we hear them, are we really hearing the mm-hmm. little children? So you imagine one of the stories I've told you, being a little one, being handed over to someone who's supposed to be familiar or a family member as a little one. Say, say baby. Um, we know in between a year to two years. Well, how much are they going to know about who their family members are, who's supposed to be there in their lives and who's not supposed to be in their lives? Then let's think about us, me as a mom, and have and my ex husband, we taught our children very early about the touching and what's right and what's wrong. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the children are young. We didn't know then how much were they getting. So how much were you were we listening when they were trying to tell us, hey, something is going on or something went wrong, or little boys with 
things happening to them and we're taught teaching them to be tough and you can't cry and you know you've got to be mindful of what you say we don't want to hurt other people's feelings and little boys we tell them all the children that but little boys are more sensitive from what I learned I have a personal experience of hearing it sensitive about it and something happens and they don't get to talk about it or they won't talk about it until they're grown men Mm-hmm. Or they're teenager to that level where they feel comfortable telling whichever parent or, you know, um, what's ever happening to them. And then as someone that has been experienced something that way from listening to the children and other people's children tell me this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, how did I miss that? So imagine I'm keen on it because I'm a survivor or a thriver. And I've gone through all of these different levels being a child. Nobody's listening. Um, starting out at about five years old, screaming and hollering, you're like, oh, you're a kid, be quiet. Mm -hmm. Or being a teenager and telling someone, someone else I think is being harmed, not knowing the true story, but once again having the grown-ups say, oh, well, we heard you say something, or we figured you, oh, you know, they warned us about you or whatever. And it's like, but yeah, but I'm trying to warn you about what I think these people might be doing, and we need to somebody listen to us. So being a little one, and being having me when a family person and other people seeing things. But in one case, they were frightened of the person. Like if I say something, something bad happened to me. I witnessed all of this. So the myth, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have to begin to think that it's not snatching a little kid and you see it on TV and it's a crime scene. You have to remember possibly there's a crime scene going when you walk past somebody's house. Mm-hmm. There could be a crime scene where things are happening to the little children who don't have a voice, who cannot speak about what's happening. And then as an adult now, you can look back and see when you yourself were saying is it, what I'm gathering right. from what you're saying, right. you were speaking out, and as an adult, you've heard of others, both right. boys and girls, who yes. maybe tried to speak out or right. couldn't or were taught because of the culture, right. you know, right. keep this quiet or we don't want to offend or whatever. So it's it's important to um, right. be trained to be able to listen to children. Right. And, it, and it might be a parent, but it also might be another trusted adult, right? right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to remember, you just brought something key when you're talking about cultures. In my culture, I'm even though we found that I have several and they've been identified now, but then the one that I was raised in, one of the things that was said in that house, which was not really my home, these people were not my family members, but they portrayed themselves as that. Whatever happens in this house stays in this house. When you're a little kid, that's a threat. Then you have your perpetrator saying, if you tell somebody what I've done to you, I will kill you. And No, I will t- kill you. I'll leave you living, but I'll kill your entire family. Mm-hmm. Now, what you find is this community person you know for a fact has been in prison for killing their own family member. So you believe them. So, <laughs> you got to believe them at Absolutely. that point. Yeah, but yeah. as a little kid living in a space where, well, who do I go to? Mm-hmm. Um, and then having a very loving teacher, having an incident that scared her and she did call go to the principal's office she did call the authorities the authorities took me back to that person they could have really ended all of that for me but they took me back to that person and the person as an adult just said oh 
oh, she fell down out in the road. I mean, you could clearly look at my back. I look mm-hmm. like somebody had taken a knife and slashed oh me. But she's saying to these people, oh, well, she just went out in the backyard and rolled on some stones or cobblestones or whatever. And that's what's happening. They go, oh, okay. And they walk off and leave me there. The other part of that culture is a little black girl. And I know this because I've been in several incidents of trying to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Who's going to listen to that? Yes. You bring up a really interesting point, I think, where the justice system can be really important for safety yes. for some. Um, and it can work out in your case when there was the opportunity to come into court, things did work out in right. terms of helping you to be safe. So that's right. a really good outcome. Correct. Um, so – what what do you think overall about the justice system? And I'm thinking, too, when you just mentioned culture and you talk about the black culture, you know, what what a little black girl goes through. Mm-hmm. How how does that how do those issues intersect? What, what do you think about then and now, for example? Well, I've been I, I filter so much uh, stuff through, but. I still feel like there's a lot of work to do and that the judges and the lawyers and the caretakers for the children, you know, you have um, what you have, the guardian ad litems and things like that. You have people that are encountering these children all the time. And so sometimes we get it wrong Mm -hmm. because sometimes the kids have made up stuff in their mind. But when you know that someone continues to tell a story and they continue to tell that story consistently and you might hear a little bit about maybe the time was off, um, but the day was good, that day was always, every time that person repeats that, you've got to believe that somewhere along the way, there was some truth to it, mm-hmm. and it could have been not just one person um, perpetrating the fraud. It could be in the person that started out supposedly, like in my case, somebody was supposed to be caring for me. Um, that wasn't happening. Um, you know yourself. I asked you back in 2019. I said, if someone took me from one city to another or town or whatever it was, is that trafficking? So there are gray areas and there's question marks. And when I become brave enough to ask a question, I'm 50 something years old when I encounter you. Mm -hmm. But imagine all that. And my mental health counselors, all those people that were working with me to help me understand. I knew early on wasn't my fault, but imagine raising children. I raised four children Mm -hmm. with that hurt and that pain, um, protecting my children, being mama bear to my children um, not really letting them breathe without me having a watchful eye somewhere. And and as the justice system, they can come in and they can begin. If a person can go to the justice system and say, hey, I got to have a concern, you don't put the kid on front street. You don't put the parents on front street. You don't prosecute everybody before you have all of the facts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you do put a question mark somewhere. The Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center, or STAC's mission is to prevent, disrupt, and end sex and labor trafficking. Stack Pro is a free one-hour training that empowers businesses, workplaces, and employees with greater knowledge about how to prevent, recognize, and respond to proactively end human trafficking and protect the workplace and your bottom line. Demonstrate your commitment to supporting survivors and making your workplace and our community safer by participating in our free training certification program. Learn more at stackpro.org. One of the things that 
I think about is the term human trafficking sometimes is hard to kind of wrap your mind around so that, and I hear this from survivors quite often, people right. who, I didn't realize that was me. Right. I didn't realize this was, this is what the law now calls what happened to me. Right. So when you think about that, what comes to your mind when you think, what could I share now so that if somebody was in my situation or in the situation of somebody you know or you've right. talked to so many people I know, yes, um, to say, you know, if, if you think this happened to you, right. what, is, what is your advice? Like, what do you think people should do? Well, um, personally, some things I've heard and listened to people talk, it is okay to ask questions like I did about, hey, I didn't give you any names, I didn't give you any places, but I did say to you, if someone had taken me from this place to that place, could that mean? And whoever is listening to us, have that in their mind that um, that's a question to ask. You don't have to give any times and places if you want to remain anonymous about it. But if you're sitting and you're thinking about it and it keeps messing with you or it keeps rolling through your head, then that's a question that it's okay to ask somebody, even if you make a call to um, some of the not, uh, hotlines mm-hmm. like uh, Big Band 211. You can say, hey, this is a unique situation. I don't know if you have somewhere in there that can speak to me. And, mm-hmm. and they, if they can't find someone there, they can take your name and number and they can go in and stack, of course, right. but be absolutely willing to anonymously take the information. And when I say more so than Big Ben 2-1, I think stack, survive, um, and thrive yeah. uh, advocacy center. I think you guys have been doing it for quite a while. And if you can answer my question, I'm sure you've got someone there that can answer those kind of questions and can kind of help. The, um, the people, whoever they are. Exactly. And because this program is going to go all around the country, there are agencies like Stack, and right. there's the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which yeah. we talk about at the beginning of the podcast about mm-hmm. people can reach out and just have a conversation. Correct. You don't have to report it. You can yes. be anonymous. Right. You can just say, I just have some questions. Right. And we know, too, with trafficking that it doesn't even require that you go from city to city or it's just what is that kind of constellation of things that happened that are little indicators, red flags where in the context, say, of abuse happening in the home, on top of that, someone is taken to another city and what happens there and what is the purpose of that movement? It's to disorient the, the individual, the victim. It's to let that child know you're even... You know more in my um, control because Correct. we're in a strange place, and you need me even more to to pay attention to what I'm saying. You exactly. must do exactly. And if they try to make you keep a secret, you keep the secret while you're there with them. Oh yeah, I agree to do that, and you be very quiet so you can get away mm-hmm. and save your own life. But absolutely, as soon as you can feel safe, there's somebody that you can talk to, and like you've said, the different agencies around, and you're going to give that number. But the different agencies around the country, whoever's listening to this, please um, reach out. Please think about 
um, our children because more than anything, a lot of them been have due to the pandemic. They have been home, and if they've been home with their um, perpetrators, then they are still not feeling safe because we keep saying the pandemic is not quite over. So they're probably keeping those secrets, Mm -hmm. and they're probably hiding um, in plain sight, and our perpetrators are hiding in plain sight. And um, please, by all means, whatever you need to do, get to someone and be truthful Be mindful of who you're talking to, but absolutely know that what is happening to you, if it doesn't feel right, it probably is not right, and you need to ask questions at at all costs. Please ask questions. So when you think about what is going on right now in our communities, where are some of the places for help? Like I I mean, you mentioned the African-American community before, Mm -hmm. and there are so many powerful, you know, networks mm-hmm. through whether it's the healthcare, you were in public health talking about the importance of public health messaging. What do we have to do with our messaging in the anti-trafficking world, if you will, to make sure it's inclusive? So we are talking about, you know, mm-hmm. as you said, the little black girl who is seeing her. What are you seeing now in the community in terms of maybe people turning that blind eye toward it. I don't I mean I don't know about you but you're with you're constantly in the forefront of that but I haven't had and I don't even want to say opportunity I don't want the opportunity but I haven't had that's what's been troubling is I haven't you haven't heard much about what's going on a lot of people are not letting the kids out the family out they're still you know we're still in a covid mindset so a lot of things that as they were before, like kids going to school, all that, people, you know, that's, it's we know for a fact that some of the children haven't gone back to school. Some of the parents haven't gone. They've taken jobs at home. So the husband, wife, and kids, a lot of them are at home, working from home. And so we have no idea what could be going on unless somebody brings it to our attention and tells mm-hmm. us, and you're probably going to be on the forefront of that or the hotline on the forefront of that. But when it opens up, when those floodgates open, it's going to, the dam is going to break. Mm-hmm. When you see, um, when you think now that um, somebody could be listening who is being trafficked, either sex trafficked or labor trafficked, correct? what would you, what advice would you give them if they're listening to this podcast? Um, I would want you to take care of yourself to the best of your ability and then think hard and long about um, looking for opportunities where you will feel supported, where you can find your way out. It may take a while. Be prepared for that. And, you know, one of the things that's compelling about when you say this, it makes me think you have been through, you know, child abuse in your in your youth, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. That included trafficking sometimes, right. not other times. Right. So one of the ways that we like to maybe leave the conversation is to ask you, what is something that's really important that you'd like to leave leave the, leave our listeners knowing? I am um, I'm a firm believer of helping people. I took all of the 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 whatever people call negative. I took all of that. My drive is I spent all of my life advocating for other people. So it was fitting that um, eventually 
Uh, getting out of school, starting a nonprofit for anti-human trafficking, IPV, anything that someone has been damaged with. Not using that um, as a highlight for them, but I get referrals sometimes for people who um, they've been in those situations, they're coming out of prison, whatever it is, and they, they want, well, I don't know how to read or I don't know how to put a resume together or whenever, whenever there are things that are barriers for them, well, the people are referred to me. And it's like, oh, Dr. Harrison, I don't know. Yes, you do. When they say, I don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. I'm a firm believer. And I'm not to tell you that I don't get fearful, uh, not to tell you that I don't, you know, have concern. But when it's talking about helping someone else get to the next level in their life, then I suck it up, I put it all to the side, and I try my best to support them in getting whatever they need to be okay. I, I My nonprofit um, right now is I do a lot of in-kind. And tell us the name of your nonprofit and how people can find out find more about it. Yes, and My nonprofit is Project Swan, Inc. I'm the founder right now, I'm the CEO, but I have a board and I have people who are really said yes to supporting me. I can be found, they can just Google Project Swan and, and or email me at Project Swan Inc. So P R O J E C T S W A N I N C at gmail.com for now. And then there's a website, uh, Project Swan Inc. They can look for me, but um, they can reach out to me. I will do whatever I can. And then you guys, too, if you want to refer people, we can tag team on how we can help them get what they need because there are other organizations that I know about that have resources that will be able uh, and willing to help out also. So, we just want to be part of the solution, not the problem. Thank you. And, you know, we always say it takes a village. Yeah, and I'm glad we're in the village here together. And thank you for supporting our village, too. Of we course. Really appreciate that. Of course. This is this is how we, the only way we can do this work. Absolutely. It really is. So, um, Dr. Jacqueline Hairston, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for this Robin. time together. I so enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. All I've the best. I've enjoyed with you, too. And all the best to you and Stack. And you all just keep on doing what you do for our communities. We really appreciate you. Thank you for listening. The Imagine Freedom Podcast is a production of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center, or STAC, a coordinator and service provider for survivors of human trafficking in the greater Tallahassee area of North Florida's Big Bend. STAC provides direct assistance to sex and labor trafficking survivors, regardless of age, immigration status, sex, gender identity, or faith affiliation. STAC also provides extensive education to many in the public and private sector on how to recognize, respond, and prevent all forms of human trafficking. STAC is a referral agency for the National Human Trafficking Hotline. The only way we can do this work is with your help. Go to surviveandthriveadvocacy.org for more information about the many programs and services Stack offers and to support Stack's work with your gift today. This podcast is recorded and produced at Fiore Communications in Tallahassee.